0: Well, my friend, we're headed back to school for this week's episode. Now, don't worry. There's not going to be homework. I'm not going to give you a test. But I do want you to take a listen to Mrs. Heather Bewley Coombs. She is our exceptional educator this time around. And she is the proud librarian at Henderson's South Middle School. I think you will agree that her resume in the field of education is quite impressive. She has experience teaching at the elementary school level to serving as an elementary librarian to her current position as a middle school librarian. So she's gonna speak to us based on this extensive career and share with us about the innovative forms of technology that she's currently using to get her students enthused about heading to the library and offer useful practical advice for all you future teachers and or librarians out there. So don't move a muscle because here it comes, Blabbing in the Bluegrass, episode 18 of season three. Let's hit it. with a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Hebron to Harlan, Henderson to Hawesville, nobody, but nobody, blankets the bluegrass like your friendly neighborhood podcaster here on Blabbin' in the Bluegrass as we explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore here from the soon-to-be world-famous North Quail Motel in gorgeous Henderson KY with another exceptional educator who is definitely deserving of this spotlight. Heather Bewley Coombs is her name and a school librarian is her game. She's been doing that for uh, over a decade now after her uh, plethora of teaching experience in the classroom, which we'll hear all about. Plus, we'll hear about some of the schools in the system where Heather has taught through the years, and somewhere in the midst of our conversation, yes, you will hear about my experience participating in a 4-H speech contest as a Totally blind contestant. I was in fifth grade, and I'll never forget it, so you won't want to miss that particular discussion. As we go along, you'll learn how she and I became acquainted many, many moons ago. And I do want to remind you that if you'd like to nominate an exceptional educator that you know of or have had in the classroom, all you got to do is send me an email. It's bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. B L U E G R A S S B L A B B I N at gmail.com. I'm all about promoting those people who are important in your life or those you know. So, Let me know about these special people, and I will do my best to get them the honor and recognition. Most importantly, time that they so rightfully deserved, okay? You can also send me an email to that very same address with questions about the show, comments, suggestions for future guests, topics, I'm all ears, and definitely open-minded. You can also hit me up via the Blabbin' in the Bluegrass Facebook page, We encourage you to like and follow this page because all of my previous episodes are right there in case you missed any or you want to go back and hear them again. They are all at your fingertips. You can also stay up to date with additional information and teasers for future episodes as they are presented each week. Make comments, leave messages. You know I always enjoy hearing from you there too. Not to mention, I do want to remind you that you can take in Blabbit in the Bluegrass absolutely free of charge and subscribe to the program via one of three podcast directories. Apple, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. They're all free, they're all easy to use, and they all contain Blabbit in the Bluegrass. So we definitely want you to utilize those avenues to keep up to speed with Blabbit in the Bluegrass as well. So, with that, we have Heather Buley-Coombs waiting in the wings, and before we get to her, I have, as per usual, another Bluegrass brainbuster. We strive to do one of these at the beginning of every show, so we'll give you the question now, and we will, of course, reveal the answer at the end of the program while your wheels are spinning and you're listening to Heather Buley-Coombs. So, here... Is this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster? My cat, mischief, thinks she knows the answer. She is twirling right around here at my feet. You may hear her jingling collar in the background here, (laughs) but don't worry. She's not eligible. Not that we have a prize this week, but here is this week's question. I want to know, where in Kentucky can you find the world's largest collection of ventriloquist dummies? Again, where in Kentucky can you find the world's largest collection of ventriloquist dummies? You think on that, I will have your answer in the program's final segment. Good luck, gang. Blattin' in the Bluegrass proudly presents an exceptional educator. Well, today our exceptional educator is a veteran educator in the Henderson County School System. She has served as a... uh, elementary school teacher, a elementary school librarian, and a middle school librarian. I first remember meeting her when I was in the second grade at East Heights Elementary School. I was in Becky Johnson's class, and Heather Bewey moved in right next door to the neighboring classroom, and I believe that was her first year of teaching. I may be wrong, but anyhow, that's where we first got acquainted, and so she's going to fill us in on her impressive career and offer advice for aspiring educators. So let's welcome to the stage the one and only Heather Bewley (laughs) Coombs.
1: Thank you, Sam. How long
0: has it been um, since you started in the Henderson County School System?
1: This is actually my 28th year of teaching.
0: Oh, look at you. That doesn't happen by accident. So, So. (laughs) in that
1: time you're talking about, that was actually my second year.
0: Oh, okay. So, so uh, my second grade year was your second year of teaching.
1: Yes, I believe so. Yep. Because I I, I had started with, um, It was Marna Heron was principal then, I believe.
0: Yep, that's exactly right until I was in the third grade.
1: Yep, and she hired me and and then I started with a fourth, fifth split class. And, um, or no, it was a fifth, sixth split, excuse me. And then I immediately, you know, when you're the low man on the totem pole, you get moved wherever they tell you to go. (laughs) It's a
0: sort of a monkey see monkey do type of thing.
1: Exactly. And so they put me in a, I had a first second split right next to Becky Johnson and she was a great mentor that I learned from. So I was appreciative of that because she had been there several years before me.
0: Another thing people should know is that uh, you know our our families go back a little ways because my mom used to teach with Heather's mom, and um, they really enjoyed their time together. They um...
1: did. (laughs) And and, at Seventh Street, there's a whole crew that I know are still pretty close from there.
0: Oh, yeah, Seventh Street School. You know, Heather, I always say that is the tightest knit group of teachers that I've ever been around.
1: Yes, I would agree
0: with that. (laughs) None of them would ever leave the building without saying goodbye to everybody else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm leaving. I was I never guess that, that makes it that makes it a good team when you when you feel that way about Yeah, each
0: other. I would say so. And plus, you know, there were there weren't very many true walls in that building. There were a bunch of dividers. <laughs> and <laughs> so that kind of helped to make everybody close knit too. Right. But anyhow, Heather Beulet Coombs, when and how did you first discover your interest in becoming a teacher?
1: um honestly when I went off to college I wasn't sure what I wanted to do <laughs> I, and I went to college undecided as a major and I just took a few classes uh, about it and I kind of thought well I really like kids <laughs> and I thought well I think I might want to do that and then um I worked at a daycare uh one summer when i was home and i worked for um actually it was her name was joe bruner at the time oh so yeah
0: now joe, joe swanson
1: swanson that's right mm-hmm. who then later became my principal as when i became a librarian so it all kind of came full circle but i enjoyed working there and that kind of sparked my interest and um i just like working with kids i think they're very funny and Literal, and um, I like seeing them learn and and seeing that yes, spark indeed. in their face. I was you
0: know? the exception to that rule. I was a real shy child. I didn't talk too much when
1: I. Was... Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's so funny because I can't believe I knew you were going to be something like this because I remember you used to memorize like everything on the radio, and um, oh I, I yeah. Feel like You would come to school, and you already had that announcing voice.
0: You (laughs) know. Well, Well, I wasn't
1: shocked when you when you started doing this at all. I was very impressed. uh, Just as I always am by you.
0: Oh, look at you! You know, I'm not paying you anything to say that, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely, I'm not getting a dime. (laughs)
0: You know, it's funny, though. Uh, a few years later, I, I memorized a speech for the first time. I was in a 4-H speech contest, and uh, I uh, I won county, I won region, made it all the way to states, and I got third in the states. Uh, turns out I missed first by uh, two points, and, you know, one of the judges docked me three points for not enough eye contact. <laughs> True story. <laughs>
1: are you serious that's
0: so bad I'm dead serious I'm t-
1: <laughs> well he was real aware wasn't he <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: telling you he had no mercy that's for sure but
1: that's true
0: anyway I was glad to get a bronze medal anyhow
1: yeah they weren't <laughs> gonna cut you any slack
0: no <laughs> like they were probably <laughs> doubly hard on me but anyway good experience now uh give us an overview Heather of your um College education, of course, you already told us that's when you discovered your passion for uh, teaching and your interest in becoming a teacher. But tell us about your uh, college education and your student teaching experiences, which equipped you to excel in this field.
1: Okay, um, well, I was uh, got my undergrad degree at Murray State in elementary ed.
0: Go racers.
1: Mm-hmm. Go racers. I love my time there. <laughs> and then um, that was back then the degrees were kind of different. I was called a K through four, fifth and sixth self-contained degree. And through the years, I think that's changed. I don't think that's even available anymore. And then I got my master's in also elementary ed from Indiana State. And I worked ah. on that. Uh Like they used to bring the courses to Evansville, so that was closer to home, and I was able to go over there.
0: Okay, so you didn't have to go to Terre Haute very often.
1: No, no, I didn't. They were, they had a program where they came to Evansville and we met at U of E actually in classrooms. And then um, later on, uh, I ended up getting my rank one in library science, and because I just, Well, of course it was always, you know, more money to go back to school. (laughs) (laughs) Right. um, I also, uh, I just went through some times in my life, I guess that um, I was thinking about uh, being, uh, my husband had gotten sick and I was wondering how, being a classroom teacher is hard.
0: (laughs) No, (laughs) really?
1: yeah, I know. And I was at school a lot at night and on the weekends and I thought, what can I do in this field if I ever need to be home more with my children or as a single parent after he died? And so I went and learned about, uh, I knew a friend that had done this and I was really interested in the literature part. So um, I decided to get my rank one in library science and I did that through Western.
0: Okay, my alma mater. All right, so most of that was online for you, I'm sure, wasn't it?
1: Actually, no, I'm that old. (laughs) (laughs) It was not online when I first started. I traveled to Bowling Green every week for about a year and got half the classes and I had to go in person and then they decided to put it online
0: conveniently after you were done
1: exactly I was I was able to finish the last half of it online so I didn't have to travel anymore which made it a lot nicer well
0: maybe you could at least you know Go to Owensboro and take most of it there, but no such luck, huh? <laughs> no,
1: they, they and they may do that now. I'm not even sure, but uh, oh, gosh. No, I had actually drive. Which at least it's just an hour and a half. It's not too bad.
0: Exactly, and it's a lot quicker now. I'm so old. I remember when they actually had tolls between here and Bowling Green. So
1: <laughs> yes, I do too.
0: <laughs> so- <laughs>
1: But I did, like, co- carpool with some girls who were also working on the Greek from Owensboro. So I was able to meet them, and we drove together. So that was helpful.
0: That, that made it more fun, too, I know. When did you get your degree in library science? When did you finish that?
1: Um, well, I taught 10 years in the classroom as a classroom teacher. Right. So 93, so that would have been um, 2003 is about when I, because almost as soon as I finished, um, I didn't plan on coming out of the classroom necessarily that soon because I still enjoyed it. But, um, you know, those positions don't open up too often. Sure. And, um, so I had finished my degree the previous year and Miss Swanson at the time, who was a principal at East Heights Elementary, she contacted me and, and asked me to apply because they had a library position open. And I remember um, I really loved where I worked and I loved the people I worked with at Spotsville. Um, they'd become, you know, like a family.
0: Oh uh, yeah. yeah. I've heard good things about the Spotsville bunch. Today, yes. So.
1: And um, so I was very uh, leery about leaving. And I remember going to my principal at the time. um, His name was Terry Atkins and he was my principal at Spotsville.
0: Oh yeah. huh?
1: And um, he said, uh, I said, well, I wanted, I'm kind of wondering what you think about this. I've, you know, been approached to maybe apply for this job but I'm scared, like, what if I don't like it? Can I come back here? (laughs) And I'll never forget, he goes, well, Heather, I'm just gonna say this. I think you will like it, (laughs) but if not, you're always welcome back here.
0: (laughs) Well, that was reassuring.
1: (laughs) Yes. And then I went and uh, Joe Swanson is one of the most respected people I've ever worked for. Um, she knows, she knew her job very well and was very supportive and a wonderful principal. And, um, she was she was definitely a mentor to me, so uh, I was glad I made that decision.
0: I can imagine, yes, indeed. Now, uh, did you do any student teaching at uh, at Murray while you were at Murray State?
1: I did. I did a student teaching with a fourth grade classroom, and then I also did it in a kindergarten room. So, and I enjoyed both, to be honest. Um, totally different, but great experiences one was a county school and one was a in Murray City School I like how they let you do you know different grades because you don't know where you're going to end up
0: yeah it's it's good for anybody regardless of what you think you want to do it's good to sort of you know work the crowd a little bit and right try, try a bunch of different age groups isn't it
1: yes it is
0: Absolutely. Yes. Now, proactive guidance and support um, is essential for long-time growth and success in any career path. Now, you mentioned Becky Johnson and Terry Yack, and so you can expand a little more on them if you want to, and others. And uh, why don't you talk a little bit about the mentors in your surroundings who offered timely advice and encouragement during your early years of teaching?
1: Um, Okay, well, I think that in every building I've ever been in, I think you just kind of find a mentor or at least you should, you know, like someone older and more experienced to go to for advice or just, you know, like a work
0: mama or daddy, shall we say?
1: Yes, exactly. And, um, it definitely Becky Johnson was one of the first ones at East Heights, but after I was, um, there, the, they downsized at East Heights, which was why I got transferred to um, Spotsville. So just oh, after two okay. years of being at East Heights in the classroom, I was transferred because their student body numbers had dropped and, um, I, you know, moved out of Spotsville. And there I taught mostly first grade for, for many years, but also did a couple years in fourth grade. And oh, um, so. I worked with Jelaine Smith, who was, she I, She was more my age, but just a great team member. And Dana Stauffer. Who was oh, my mom used
0: to like Dana a lot, too.
1: Yes, who was also a great team member. Denise Cannon. I just really had, I think that if you're in teaching in this day and age, especially now, you have to have team members to rely on. Oh, yeah. um, You know, just to plan and everything. So it's not all on you. Um, Then I I had I can't say that I was ever um, in a school with a principal that I didn't look up to. Um, I had Tom Hurt was out at East uh, Spotsville when I first went there. I haven't heard and, that
0: name in a long time.
1: <laughs> yep. And then uh, Jim Rom was even principal for a while there. And then Terry Atkins, as I said, who I really uh, enjoyed working for. And then after going to East Heights, um, I had you know Joe Swanson. And after she went to Central Office, I had Nancy Gibson, who I loved as well and See. they were all wonderful mentors, and um, when I first started teaching, I remember at East Heights, her name was Becky Schmidt, and she's gone. Oh, yeah, now. I had
0: her. Uh-huh.
1: Yes, and I loved Becky, but what was neat about that was I had her, too, as a, <laughs> as a teacher. How
0: about that? We lost her all too soon of to cancer.
1: But, well, uh... yes, we did lose her too soon, and, um, but I had went to East Heights as a fourth and fifth grader uh-huh. and I had her and then after I went all the way through school and college and I came back she was still there and still wonderful so I loved teaching with her.
0: See how about that you she taught you and then you taught with her. Yes.
1: <laughs> and out of Spotsville I can name you know Diane Parker, Janice Beals, Lynn Dawson, all these wonderful teachers that Some of them are still out there like doing that three-day-a-week retired uh, RTI that they do, you know, for retired teachers sometimes.
0: It's like mama's doing. So, (laughs) yeah, that's becoming more and more common.
1: (laughs) So your mom is doing that too?
0: She is, three days a week. um, Where does she go? She is at Jefferson.
1: Oh, okay, with Miss Gwen Courtney, that one of my good friends.
0: Yeah, she she works with Gwen, and uh, yes. there's several of them out there. It's her and uh, Sherry Shank. You remember her?
1: Yes, I had Sherry. <laughs> yes, we all worked together at East Heights. Gwen was at East Heights when I was the librarian there before she became principal at Jefferson.
0: See, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's, <My> almost, world.
0: <laughs> it's almost like a teacher reunion, so... They- <laughs> <laughs> They really enjoy it out there. Plus, I'm convinced it's a place where they can all go and spread rumors about their offspring when they're not around. So.
1: <laughs> Your mom would not do that. <laughs> oh, I
0: don't know about that now. But anyway, prior to uh, becoming a librarian, you said you uh, you taught first, second, fifth, sixth. I guess you pretty much covered the whole gamut in elementary school, except I don't remember hearing you mention third. Did you ever teach no. third?
1: No I've never taught third.
0: So everything but third.
1: Pretty much (laughs) yes.
0: Yeah and even though. I
1: mostly spent my time in first grade which I really enjoyed.
0: I gotcha. So first grade was sort of your niche.
1: Yes I really mm -hmm, I did I I liked it.
0: Now as a first grade teacher you know well I know in, in the fifth sixth grade middle school high school you know you may only be assigned to to certain subjects, but I know in, in first grade, you teach a little bit of everything. Correct, yes. So what what would be, if you had to choose one, Heather, of all the subjects that you dabbled in, I know there was a soft spot in your heart for, for all of them, kind of, sort of, but if you had to choose a favorite, w- which one would it be?
1: Oh, definitely, I would pick reading.
0: Oh, I could have I called that, <laughs> couldn't I? <laughs> Being a yeah. librarian.
1: Well, I just, I just think it was so uh, fun to see the growth from when you had them in first grade in the fall and, you know, they came to you knowing their sounds and basic, some basic sight words, hopefully, and then they grow throughout the year. And then at the end of first grade, they're like reading paragraphs and you just see such progress. And that was just enjoyable. And they, just their faces light up, you know, that they finally are reading. And it was just a fun age.
0: You've got to be able to read to excel in any of the other subjects when you think about it.
1: Yes. And I've been trying to tell my middle schoolers that. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them are a little reluctant.
0: (laughs) You mean they're a hard sell?
1: (laughs) Their faces don't always light up, or at least some of them do, actually. I have really great middle schoolers at South, but uh, just some of them, uh, I can't stress enough how, if they would just read how it would help things.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That would (laughs) really bode well for them. There were times when I wasn't always excited about it either, if you can believe that, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure.
0: (laughs) <laughs> you know, I read I mean,
1: all of the kids go through those phases.
0: Yeah, and the ones what? that don't, well, they they end up becoming librarians a lot of times. <laughs> 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 Not that that's a bad thing, headed of Kings. Coons. No. but <laughs> but anyway, so you uh, you became a librarian. You decided, you know, you wanted hours that were a little more reasonable, and you wanted a little more time at home with the fam so uh, you became a librarian at east heights now how long did you stay
1: there um i was at east heights probably uh i would say about 12 years
0: you didn't know math was a part of this thing did well, you
1: yeah i know <laughs> exactly i'm not a math teacher sam
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness i covered the whole thing.
1: 13 something like
0: that <laughs> 13 <laughs> i yeah. gotcha well uh
1: <laughs> this is my fifth year at South. I do know that, so.
0: that That's hard to believe. I tell you, time, really, time really does fly.
1: It does.
0: But uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. What was it that sparked your desire to um, move from your position as an elementary school librarian over to uh, a new role as a middle school librarian?
1: Well, I had a former um friend and teacher that used to be at with me at um East Heights. Her name was Denisa Townsend.
0: Know her well. Had her in sixth grade.
1: Yes, wonderful teacher too. Can't say enough good things about her. Oh yeah. And um she had already made that transition from East Heights to the middle school in a different position, like curriculum specialist. Right, and uh-huh. um, you just had mentioned, you know, you should think about coming up here and if you would have said that to me like years before um I would have like no, I like elementary kids. I don't think i you know, am made for middle schoolers or whatever.
0: You'd have been like it ain't broke, so let's don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But um I don't know. I just i I went up and I I thought you know I've been doing this for a long time and I think anytime you try something new, it's totally motivating just to the change in your job. And yeah, I sure. was you know definitely ready for a little bit of a change. Like I said, I'd been there twelve, thirteen years, whatever. So, uh-huh. um, I thought well you know I think I'd like a new challenge. So. Decided to do that and um, interviewed with Mr. Rush, who's my principal at South now. My and, former um,
0: PE teacher at the high school.
1: Did you really? Oh, yep, you sure did. <laughs> I'm going to have to tell him hello from you then.
0: Don't believe everything he tells you about me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so he was um, very supportive of me coming in and making some changes and um kind of updating the library a little bit and uh-huh. I just wanted to make it a fun place that they wanted to come and of course I wanted to improve the literacy and checking out and wanting them to read more but yeah. I want them to enjoy coming. Um, you know when you're a, an elective or a special you know it's hard to compete with like PE and things like that. No. So you have to like, you know, really make it somewhere they want to go.
0: <laughs> oh, goodness. But you're right, though. Change of pace does. is awesome. Good. And, it and, does. Uh, you know, every now and again, we just have to break up the monotony, don't we? Yes.
1: Yeah, so I've, I've enjoyed that. And I think um, I've transformed the library a little bit. Um, it's, you know, uh, has more books for the kids. Um, I've, he he was very kind and I've done some grant searching and gotten some more money international papers been very generous to our library at I'll south look
0: at you. that's awesome and,
1: yeah and um they have donated a lot of money to help me buy some books so we've we've updated a lot there and I think the kids enjoy it
0: well if I win the lottery and uh, become a million dollars richer Heather I'll float you five bucks
1: okay thank for you, you to put
0: towards the library and you
1: know that doesn't really buy a book these days
0: <laughs> hey five dollars you take what you can get
1: that's, well i could get something at the scholastic book fair maybe but uh, yeah that's
0: true In paperback. I've, got,
1: yeah.
0: I've got memories of that scholastic book fair well
1: that's of course sure. i'm actually having my book fair next week if you want to stop by
0: next week huh
1: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: oh goodness. That that's exciting stuff. So you that's probably been the bulk of your focus these past few weeks.
1: Well, I I've been promoting it this week, but yes, that's the one good thing I like um what I'm doing at South is I'm not really an elective there. Like I was a special in elementary. All of the English language classes come to visit um every oh, gotcha. single week once a week and so they all travel through the library I have all the kids once a week and they come with their English language teacher and um, we do different things Uh, you know promoting books and literacy of course.
0: i tell you that's different uh, from when I was in middle school though because um, I don't remember us ever going to the library hardly unless it was a special occasion or we were doing research or whatever so I'm glad to know that English classes are coming to the library every week, plus that means you get to see a little bit of everybody.
1: Yes, I do. I get to know all the students, and it's it's nice. I like that.
0: Now, Heather, describe. I know you've enjoyed it. Um, Ryan Rush was supportive, and it's been a great fit for you there at middle school, but describe some of your most notable challenges in transitioning from an elementary school librarian over into a, a middle school librarian.
1: Um, well, of course, it's a lot larger. So oh, I'm sure. having like four hundred and something students to having eight hundred and something students. So that that was a big challenge of the management of everything and making sure that I have enough and, and I want to get things back on the shelves as soon as possible. So I have AIDS that make it a lot easier that they can be a student aid during an elective and they help me keep it really organized and um, easier for them to find the books. So that's helpful. Just the different age group was the biggest challenge for me. I think um, it's, you know, kindergarten through fifth grade, they still... um, they're easy to motivate.
0: (laughs) Right. At least most of them. There's exceptions to every rule.
1: And so, you know, if you say you're going to earn this sticker, (laughs) they're excited. (laughs) And so middle schoolers aren't going to work so hard for a sticker.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the incentives have to be a little different, don't they?
1: So I think, yeah, finding the right incentive. And um, one thing I did, uh start which Mr. Rush was very supportive of because he knows how much reading is important is we were are a big AR school at South oh uh-huh and I know you know that um they wear school uniforms right? oh yes
0: they do now so,
1: and and he's a big stickler on the uniform which is is good because I like it's very structured and you know what to expect all the kids know the rules and so um when we started AR and pushing it more and um, getting all that established. I, I said, well, I asked the kids, what's something that, you know, if it's you're willing to read and get your goal for. And a lot of uh, several of them responded to me and was like, I want to wear my own clothes. You know, I want a free dress day. So <laughs> I went to him and he um, was very helpful and, agreed that that's a worthwhile goal and to to get that as a reward so um every time when the kids meet their reading goals they get a free dress card and they get to wear their own clothes to school that day so that, that, that,
0: puts, that puts their nose in a book doesn't it
1: yeah it does it does
0: <laughs> yeah level-
1: hard for that
0: but you're right though elementary school kids you 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 know you say well now it's important to read and they say okay and then when you get to middle school you say now it's important to read and a lot of them go why yeah
1: they do they start to question things then
0: (laughs) they're like why do I have to accept what I've always been told so you know when I I turn 13 my uncle Paul goes now you're hitting the icky aches Sam. you better be good so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I guess, I guess um, there's some truth to that. Hopefully I wasn't quite as icky as some of the others in my class. No, but I'm
1: sure you weren't. <laughs>
0: at least I tried not to be. Now, uh, technology is evolving at breakneck speed, thus changing the landscape of almost every profession. So now, why don't you talk to us uh, about the innovative forms of technology that you're currently utilizing to enhance students' experience in the library, like you said, make them want to come.
1: Um. Well. Okay. Well, a few years ago, when I first came to South Middle School, um, I got my feet wet. You know, the first year, and then that second year I was there, Miss um, Stanley, Morgana Stanley, our older superintendent, right, hired. She had went and visited um, a nearby district that had, um, it was called an innovative hub in their school.
0: Innovative hub.
1: Hub, yes. And I think it was um, independent school system, maybe. And um, basically they had a library in their school that, had STEM activities.
0: Oh, science, technology. Yes. Math, engineering. I, th- I yeah, think I got them. I didn't it, go in order. People but
1: people call it STEAM. They can do science, technology, engineering, art, math, <laughs> all of it. But so she came back and she kind of put a little, um, she wanted all the media specialists in the district to write her a proposal of how you could bring that into your media center. And if you were given money to do that, how would you implement that? Oh, uh-huh. And so I wrote a proposal um, to bring, I called it a T lab at South. I thought I needed to start small and, and then you know, go from there.
0: That's sweet or unsweet tea? <laughs> yeah,
1: I actually do have. It's like a big cup of tea on the wall <laughs> next to where they um will do it. Well, where they do all the activities? But it stands for technology, engineering, and art. Uh, because in the middle school, you know, they already have their math class sure. and their science class. So I just wanted to start small and just take it from there. There you go. But, so technology,
0: uh, engineering, and art, that's our acronym for T Yes,
1: that's mm-hmm. that's our T, we call it our T lab. Mm-hmm. And basically, there are numerous activities that they can come and do in the library each week when they visit. And they're all like technology activities and engineering activities where they build things um, I'm always looking for new stuff every year to add to it. But we kind of made it as an also incentive, like after they meet their reading goals, they get to go over and do the T-Lab. So oh, that has definitely been an incentive for them to read more.
0: In addition to the free dress stuff.
1: exactly (laughs) so they they enjoy it and again it makes it a fun environment for them to come to they like enjoy coming to library or I think they do
0: (laughs) oh no doubt they do (laughs)
1: yeah and so um that's just something that we you know started a few years ago and then I'm just always looking for new new things to bring to it I mean it's just evolving all the time and Now, you know, we teach on Chromebooks where the students are one-to-one. Oh,
0: yeah. All the students have computers now.
1: Yep. And we teach through Google Classroom where the library even has a Google Classroom. But instead of, I have the whole school in my classroom. So Mm -hmm. that can post things. It's more than a sign it's not like assignments it's more of a message board for the whole school but they I can post things that they can um see it like today I posted uh it was an interactive flyer that they're going to see everything that's going to be at the book fair next week I I
0: figured it's going to be book fair related
1: (laughs) yeah exactly but then like they also have um uh like we, for example, have a button machine over at the T-Lab, and there's a, a, in my Google classroom, there's an activity where they design the button, and then we print it out, and they go make it over there, so there's That's different, cool. yeah, it's very cool. There, there are some really fun activities, and they, they do, they do like coming.
0: I can imagine. Now, how long are the periods when they come?
1: They get to stay for 43 minutes. 43 okay I do have to take that into account because I've I've started things and then I've realized oh they're not finishing you know like that so then I kind of downsize it or tweak it to make it to where because I can't have like you know 500 kids unfinished activities sitting around until the next week
0: that could create some chaos and confusion right
1: so (laughs) I try to pick things that Fit in that time frame.
0: Things that can be finished in a, a timely manner. <laughs>
1: exactly. A lot
0: Absolutely.
1: of are like they work as a team to do too. It's been, um, it's really been good this year now that we're back in school. Because last year with COVID, I didn't get to have makerspaces out because of the contact tracing, and we couldn't really share that kind of stuff and touch it, you know. So. It's, it's been nice getting back to a little normalcy this year that they get to go enjoy that again.
0: indeed, yeah I know that, <laughs> I know that was really missed last year when the uh, world shut down, shall we say? but yeah. uh, <laughs> anyhow now even after teachers retire from full-time employment, uh, as I know well and you know well, it seems that uh, very seldom, do teachers leave school grounds once and for all? So, Heather B. Lee Coombs, thinking ahead to your future retirements, which, uh, you know, it, it, it's closer than you think at this point. I know teachers retire younger and younger now. So, <laughs> how do you possibly see yourself passing the time during these so-called golden years?
1: Well, I actually could have retired last year because... really. In- yeah, in the state of Kentucky, you you can retire after twenty seven years. Oh, but,
0: that, oh, that's true. Yeah, my mom retired after thirty three, but yeah, set right. 30, 30, or twenty seven well, is the minimum.
1: I I decided that I was going to try to do thirty and then see what it is because it definitely does help your retirement if you stay longer. Sure. Um, and I'm you know I consider myself pretty young still.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
1: So, um, but I don't know. I've thought sometimes I think I want to do, it depends on the day you ask me, I I really believe. (laughs) Sometimes I want to do something completely different, maybe find a part-time job, you know, in a totally different field, um, like making something or creating something. And then sometimes I feel like I think I would enjoy going back to elementary in the, the way like that your mom does like a two or
0: three day a week type of thing yeah
1: yeah Uh especially like working you know without the the schedule of every day and the meetings after school and all that you know it's nice just to go in and do your job and go
0: right uh uh-huh so yeah and not always have to work a full day either so
1: exactly
0: yeah Yeah,
1: in the air of what I'll do I mean I'm hoping I'll probably have Later on down the road, a little few grandkids too to mix in there. <laughs> I just had a daughter that got married.
0: Yes, Hannah just got married. Props to Hannah.
1: Yes.
0: Yes, I do. Yeah, you need some grandkids to to spoil rotten, don't you?
1: Definitely. One day. I'm not rushing her though. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. When, <laughs> whenever the time's right, it'll happen. Yeah, yeah. My my grandparents always used to spoil me, and then mom and dad would always have to bring me back to earth. God love them when I got <laughs> home, but.
1: <laughs> well, that's what grandparents are for though. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's the the purpose they serve. All right, so hey, we're going to follow up with you about the same time next year and see if your answer to that question's any difference than it was today <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we're going to check you for consistency no I'm kidding <laughs> but anyway uh, this has been great Heather thanks so much for coming on with us now last but certainly not least before we unbuckle your seat why don't you pass along some useful and practical advice based on your 28 years in education for those in our listening audience who are seeking to pursue careers in this particular
1: field? Okay. Well, I've kind of touched on this, but I do think always find a mentor in your building. Oh, yeah. You know, someone that you can go to that's experienced and get advice from. I think I've found one of those in every building I've went to. Um, At South, you know, even though I I was a 20, almost a 22, 23-year-old teacher, I was starting over in a new building with a whole different age group that I've never been, you know, taught before, never been around. Yeah, but lots I've of
0: adjustment there.
1: Yes, but I found some excellent teachers, Marie Cavanaugh, Bethany Harper, that I think were a great mentor to me and helped guide me in what they needed as an English language teacher in the library to help them, you know, kind of t- co-teach when they come in there. And um, so definitely find a mentor that someone you can reach out to for advice. Um, you know, you definitely have to have a passion for what you do and, and oh, for sure. kids, I think. Um, if that's not there, then it, it doesn't really sustain. Stain and then um, be flexible (laughs) because uh, today was a perfect example. We had three, two and a half hours with school left and the electricity went out in our building and there were no lights, no Chromebooks to work on. (laughs) How
0: convenient.
1: (laughs) Yes. So, you know, Thankfully, most of the kids had a book to read and they got to read it towards their AR goals um, by the sunlight coming in the windows. (laughs) But, um, you know, we made it work and honestly, it's so structured there that it it didn't even phase them very much. They stayed on task and did what they were supposed to do and it ended up being a good day.
0: And deep down, I'm sure you were thinking, see, I told you so, reading is important.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um,
0: it's a way I, we can kill time when the power goes out
1: <laughs> right right um just always look for ways to evolve and change and adjust to keep it fresh you know sure Like I've, I've changed even though i'm still a teacher i've changed several things and that's just rejuvenated me and even if you stay i have a couple of friends who have been kindergarten teachers like over 20 years, but they just always freshen it up with the way they teach and how teaching's changed. Like now with Chromebooks and everything, you kind of have to, have to be open to change and be flexible.
0: Yeah. you got to adapt, but that's one thing the technology does keep it fresh and, you know, it gives you new strategies and avenues to work with when you're, (laughs) when you're trying to teach.
1: Right. I never thought, you know, when I started teaching, I'd be, it'd be like it is now, but that's just, you go with the flow and times change.
0: Absolutely. Yep. So be open-minded, be flexible, (laughs) learn how to adapt and find those mentors because sometimes we all need a shoulder to cry on regardless of what profession we're in. So
1: you're right.
0: Well, Heather Bewley Coons, you have survived your first podcast appearance.
1: I know. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs)
0: This was a fun, I I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have.
1: I have enjoyed it and I appreciate you thinking of me.
0: Well, thank you a lot. Uh, We'll do this again sometime and you keep all the little munchkins. Well, they're not so little in middle school, but keep all the munchkins straight over there at South.
1: I will. No, they're not little. I think most of them are taller than me.
0: Well, they get taller and taller, younger and younger these days. I sound like an Thank old fart you. saying that, but it's the
1: truth.
0: to be like you rock.
1: Thank you so much, Sam.
0: Now, how could you not love her? Heather Buley Coombs, our exceptional educator, this time around, and I'm sure glad she was able to spare me some time out of her tea lab to come join us and tell us all about it. I tell you, that tea lab is a perfect example of thinking outside the box to engage students and keep their interest. That's uh, quite an inspiring story too, I might add. And even if you're not familiar with the schools at which she taught or the mentors in her life that she mentioned, I think it proves a very important point that if you're in education, you have to have people to look up to and lean on from time to time. So if you're in the field, maybe uh, young at it or entertaining the thought of pursuing it, you need to seek out those people. Work mommies and daddies like I referred to them in the interview. They're they're extremely valuable and you got to have them for success in that field, or pretty much any field for that matter. So it was such a pleasure talking with Heather Bewley Coombs, and again, if you'd like to nominate an exceptional educator that you've had or that you know of who's doing great things in the classroom or the library or the gym or the music room... Wherever it is in that school building, all you got to do is let me know about them. Bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. And we'll do our best to get them on here and recognize them, okay? So we'll be back next week with plenty more fun and games. Well, maybe not games. Except the Bluegrass Brain Buster, which I will try to have another one of those for you next week. But before we start thinking about next week's show, which will come out on September the 29th, Wednesday, I do want to reveal the answer of this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster, which I'm sure has kept you all on pins and needles throughout my chat With Heather Buley Coombs. But anyway, your question this week, I wanted to know, where in Kentucky can you find the world's largest collection of ventriloquist dummies? And your answer, that would be the Vent Haven Museum in Fort Mitchell. If you've never been there, well, by golly, it's worth a trip. The Vent Haven Museum in Fort Mitchell is home to nearly 1,000 of the world's most well-known Ventriloquist Dummies. That's where they've been laid to rest. And some names you might recognize include Farful the Dog, Lamb Chop. Now, how could you forget Lamb Chop? This is the song that never ends. Okay, I won't sing the whole thing. I'll, I'll spare you that misery. But uh, also, Tommy Baloney is another one. And uh, Knucklehead Smith, S-M-I-F-F. <laughs> I know a lot of you remember at least one or two of those. And they can all be found in the same spot at the Vent Haven Museum in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. And that is the answer to your bluegrass brain buster. Of course, as most of you know, ventriloquism is a field where, you know, you talk and you try to make it seem like a doll or a dummy. is talking instead, even though they hear your voice. So, if you'd like to explore that field, you, you know where to go now. And I very well may have a representative from the Vent Haven Museum on my show in a future episode. In fact, I think it'd be well worth my time to get and well worth your time to listen to. But anyway, between now and then, keep a happy thought. And be sure to visit me on the Blabbin' in the Bluegrass Facebook page, where you can catch any and all previous episodes. Stay up to date with teasers for future shows, as they are presented basically every week. You can make comments there, you can leave messages there, and don't forget to subscribe and listen to Blabbing in the Bluegrass without paying one pretty penny via Apple, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. These are very useful podcast directories, especially since they all contain Blabbing in the Bluegrass, so... Don't miss the show via one of those outlets, either. And until we meet again, you know your assignment. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and just like Porky Pig, keep a bit, a bit, a bit a blabbing in the bluegrass. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass with knowledge of the state you're sure to appreciate yes we're blabbing Blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate just a blabbing in the bluegrass with a fit for every taste precious time is not to waste